You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. How are you guys doing today? It's exciting. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Be the Bridge community. I am so excited, like I always say. I just love bringing people that I think will be helpful as you are navigating conversations around racial literacy. Um, I just I just love bringing people that is going to help enhance that conversation. And so today, I have someone that's really going to help enhance the conversations that we're already having um, in our group. So if you're listening, I want you to listen closely because you're going to want to make sure that you follow her on all the socials, purchase all her books. Um, she is someone that I listen to and someone that really inspires me and Today, I have Dr. Chinway Williams, who is a PhD. She is a licensed and EMDR certified ther- therapist. She is a former graduate counseling professor and college and high school counselor. And so all of you who have children, teens, you want to pay close attention because that is her sweet spot. Um, she is a consultant for K-12 schools, faith-based and corporate um, organizations. Her expertise lies in the areas of stress, anxiety, management. Do I have your attention now? Um, trauma recovery and race-related stress and trauma-informed education. Dr. Williams has previously taught graduate counseling courses at Georgia State, um, Argosy University, University of Central Florida, and Rollins College, and is a speaker at local and national and international conferences. She is the owner of Meaningful Solutions Counseling and Consulting in a private practice in Roswell, Georgia, another um, Georgia peach here. Dr. Williams is the co-author of the best-selling book, Seen. Healing Despair and Anxiety in Kids and Teens Through the Power of Connection. And her newly released book, which we're going to talk about, is Beyond the Spiral. Why We Shouldn't Believe Everything Anxiety Tells You. She is also the co-creator of the online course, Healing Racial Trauma with Somatic Therapy. I mean, so I know I have your attention now. So welcome. I know that was a mouthful, Dr. Chenway. And I know um, you are here not too far from me. And I just want to say welcome. Um, thank you for your work that you're doing. And I am so excited to have this conversation. And I know it's not going to be um, 
the first conversation that we have. And I just want to tell them a little bit. Um, I, Your name kept coming up in all the circles that I was in. Everyone was like, have you talked to um, Dr. Chenway? Have you met Dr. Chenway? And so when I was going through some things like just a, a, a couple years ago with, um, with the death of my dad, like grief and just all the things I was trying to find um, another counselor to talk to. And I had a conversation with you. Yeah, I'm putting my business out there. So I had a conversation with you and you were like, and what I appreciated and admired so much about our conversation, you were like, I know so much about you. I know so much about the organization. Look, I don't think I'm a good fit for this. I loved it. You know, I loved that. I loved your honesty. And then you pointed me um, to um, someone that is still such a mentor to me, um, you know, that prays for our organization. She's done things with our organization and uh, Miss Tanya. And then um, also help me find another therapist. So, yes. <laughs> so I love it. And I'm so grateful for you and your work. You are so needed. Um, so I want to welcome you to the Be The Bridge podcast. This is a community of bridge builders, people who are sitting with the discomfort um, they see the brokenness in the world and they want to be a part of solution of the solution. So we are all about healing. We are all about restoration. We are all about reconciliation. And um, we are all about um, Jesus, yes. you know? And that, so that is at the yes. core of why we do this. I can't do it apart from, no. <laughs> from no. Jesus, you know? And I do know we have people who are, are not um, a, a part of the faith that are part of this community. You are always welcome here too. Uh, we love you, and um, and I hope you can um, find things that can help inspire you in these conversations. Um, you know, unfortunately, there is a stigma around mental health and therapy, and we hear it coming up so much. Like in everything, all the 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 chaos we see in the world that's happening around us. You are seeing it. You are feeling it. Uh, what would you say to someone who is wondering how therapy can actually help them, uh, how it differs from just talking to a friend or a family member, um, and who therapy is about? Like, for I, I, there was one thing I was, I was just talking to a, a friend's, um, a friend and their son, and you know, because I, I think this is just healthy checkpoints that we all need. And um, I see it because the world is so harsh. There are so many difficult things that I know I can't carry it on my own shoulders. So if you're trying, you know, to do that with a friend, um, I know that could be taxing. And then I also know that everybody can't afford um, therapy, you know, and just talking with my my friend's son, he was like, I don't want no one in my head. <laughs> like, and, you know, yeah. or either, um, you know, my, my uh, one of my um, goddaughters, she had um, someone to commit suicide mm. that was in her dorm. And she just felt like, you know, the school was missing that they don't have good yeah. counselors there. And so I know that is, there's a lot yes. happening. But um, people who are wondering... Um, why we yes. need this? Why? Why do you feel yes. like, you know, we need yes. this um, as a community? Yes, and thank you, um, first of all, uh, Latasha, for just being who you are. Because what you may not have realized in what you did as part of the intro 
was you began the process of destigmatizing therapy just mm. by sharing our connection because not many years ago, and even to this day, there are a lot of podcast hosts and people that are in similar positions as you that just would not mention it because of the stigma that you uh, that you brought up. Mm. And by the way, we had a conversation, as you mentioned, and I said that you remind me of my cousin or a friend. So therefore, I cannot counsel you, but can we get margaritas? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we still got And, then, gotta and get we those. haven't done that yet. But I did see you at the sneaker ball and it, the gala, it yes. was, or gala, it was tremendously inspiring, amazing. And you looked amazing. So let me just say that. Oh, uh, but, but thank you. Thank you for your support. But, but that's what you did. And if I, you yeah. reduce the stigma just by sharing that in the intro. And if, and if mm. I may, um, I'd like to address stigma for just a moment as I, start to respond to that very good question. So what I want to share with you is that, and for everyone who's listening, mental health, emotional health, and behavioral health struggles are very common. In fact, the World Health Organization put out a stat not too long ago that says one in five people in the world, and by the way, that fits for us in the U.S., if you're listening in the U.S., One in five of us each year will have some sort of mental or emotional struggle um, that will lead to a diagnosis, a diagnosis such as depression, anxiety, trauma, substance abuse. People don't often think about insomnia also being a diagnosis. So if you think about that number one in five, that's plenty common enough. But then I want everyone listening to also consider everything that we have been through just in the past three years all of the different life stressors that we're still, many of us are still experiencing that leads to an emotional struggle, but doesn't necessarily lead to a clinical mental health diagnosis. For example, if you are caring for, those of you who are listening right now, caring for a sick child, caring for an aging parent, having a loss, which Latasha just mentioned of a parent, a parent that you have a beautiful relationship with. My my mother-in-law passed in 2020. Um, so the loss of a loved one, the breakup of a romantic relationship, how many of us listening right now have ever been through a period where you've had so much work on your plate that you could barely keep your eyes open, right? To write the next email because you're feeling completely burnt out. So those are common life situations that leads to some form of emotional stress, but doesn't necessarily rise to the level of a mental health diagnosis. So the take the takeaway here is that we all struggle, right? And the word of God tells us that right. in this life, we will have trouble. And so that stigma, right. while I understand it, especially in certain communities, immigrant communities, communities of color, I completely understand where the stigma is coming from. However, let's point to the word of God. Do we realize that um, the word fear and or anxiety is mentioned 365 times? So in the, so so the word of God doesn't say if you're fearful. Um, I believe actually the word in Psalm 56.3 says when 
you are afraid, right? Yes. So, so, mm-hmm. so my hope in just sharing that is that especially in the faith community, and even if you're not part of the faith community, because that stigma really does extend to most mm-hmm. communities, um, that you know that we are going to struggle at some point and help is available. So therapy is helpful. Talking to our friends and our family members, yeah. very helpful. But I, I do want to just share this. The difference between talking to your friend or your your auntie or your cousin about your struggles, um, it, very helpful potentially, but here's the difference. The conversations mm-hmm. that you have with a professionally trained therapist um, will be objective, right? Because the friends and the family members that you have in your life know you and see you oftentimes through very specific lenses um, that, you know, they may not be as, as objective. So you have someone who's objective, you have someone who's trained in psychological change strategies, and you also are able to have conversations that will normalize what you're going through. Your friend may not know all the stats about depression and anxiety and trauma, but your therapist will, and your therapist will say, what you're going through right now is normal. The fact that you aren't sleeping because you're worried about a family member, you're worried about the economy, you're worried about, you know, keeping your job is normal. Now, here's what we're going to do about it. Mm. The, the tools, tool. the tools and the recess resources that are really important, you know, and I, and I think the more we have this conversation and an honest conversation around it, it can help with it. So like sharing your stories, there's nothing to be embarrassed. Like, like for me, I feel like, you know, I feel like God has given people wisdom, you know, um, that is like we have access, you know, we can pray. But then also realizing, you know, I think it's sometimes pride where we feel like we can take it on. on we can take all of it on and we can handle yes. it all. And like, why would you think you can? Yeah. You know, yeah. like well the, well, the word of God talks know? about leaning on our own understanding, right? Yes, yes. And, and and understanding that like his yoke is mm-hmm. easy, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and, and so I think those are the things that we have to remember. But um, I do like it's important for us. There's skill sets that you have as a therapist that we don't mm-hmm. have that even reading books, you know, um, like, you know, I'm, I'm really interested, you know, and like the somatic therapy, like all these yes. things like that we don't have the tools for that can really help us be better humans. Exactly. And um, so I want to say congratulations on your book release, <laughs> um, you know, Beyond the Spiral, uh, Why You Shouldn't Believe Everything Anxiety Tells mm-hmm. You. Um, this came out in May. So just it just came, came out. out. Yeah. Um, and could you share a little bit about what that is about, the book? Yes, about. 100%. So, um, Latasha, you shared this already and you know so well, and many of um, your listeners understand this as well. People are struggling. People are struggling. 28% yeah. of um, individuals, adults in our country, have an anxiety disorder. So, not what I was talking mm. about in terms of everyday struggles. Um, this is unique clinical diagnosis. So that's a significant number of adults. But what we have been noticing trending for a while now, the the, uh, pandemic did not help this. The pandemic only exacerbated elevated rates of anxiety, depression, self-harm among young people. 
Um, so our, our youth are experiencing these things um, in in high, to a high degree, and the consequences are heartbreaking. You mentioned the the suicide. We're yeah. hearing. I get so many phone calls, Latasha, and I don't I don't work with little kids anymore. I just don't have the um, the the, mm-hmm. the time available because when you're working with a child, you're working with the school, you're working with grandma, you're working with the parents, um, and and and, and, yeah. and, I, and I put my all into it. So I'm not working with kids anymore, but I do feel these phone calls, and I'll sit on the phone with parents and grandparents, and I'm hearing so many. Um, struggles that parents of six and seven and eight-year-olds are having. But the research is very specific that the two groups that are struggling the most with anxiety in particular mm-hmm. right now are adolescents and young adults. So we got this. We were we wrote a book for parents and caregivers and leaders. So my co- co-author and I, um, shout out to Will Hutcherson, who's a youth and next-gen pastor. We've been traveling across the country. And when we shared this information, parents were so receptive, but then we'd be in the line signing the books. They'd be like, can I give this to my child? <laughs> and we'd be yeah. like, no, this is actually for you. Um, but we got that every single time, every single city. So we prayed about it and um, the Lord really put it on both of our hearts to provide a resource for teenagers. So very quickly, this book, I consider it a whole body. God created us, you know, mind, body, and soul. Everything is in, interconnected in very beautiful ways by design because our Heavenly Father want, uh, wants us to be whole, not just spiritually is what I say, but physically, right. spiritually, emotionally, relationally. So this book really talks about the dynamics of anxiety in teens and young adults. So we, we hit on the problem. Problem, but not for very long. The rest of the book is about solutions and strategies and coping tools and how to invite God in. So that's what we're really proud of is that we talk about psychological change strategies that I've learned in my training um, and the things that I do with my clients today, you know, every single day. But then we also bring in the spiritual piece because, it, you know, Jesus is the ultimate healer. Right, right. And I love that. You know, I was, um, you know, and I know most of you, unless you're like living up under a rock at this moment, you notice that we came out of this pandemic, like, and it's heightened, like just emotions, like you're seeing um, fights at school, the gun violence that we're seeing, um, you know, the abuse. I could imagine that domestic violence, like all of those things probably are really high stuff that we don't even hear about as much. Um, drug yes. use, you know, um, you know, addictions, like all of those things, because we went through a drama as a, as a, not just as a country, but the world went through a collective trauma uh, with death, millions of death that we were experiencing daily, fears that we were experiencing daily, um, you know, People, you know, had to stay home and many homes are not safe for everyone. Everybody's home is not a safe place. And so you could just all that heighten. You're you're like, okay, what 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 is going on? Something's in the air. Like what what is this? What is the answer for this? And so I'm grateful that this book is written. So this is a book that um, people can pass on to other people. This is a podcast that we can share. So maybe it may spark someone to reach out for help. Um, maybe there are group um, sessions that people could have. Maybe schools may invest a little bit more into into counseling, into group um, talk. And, you know, maybe there's things, you know, uh, we do these things, discussions and desserts, like maybe some of those things can be outlets, you know, um, for people to really 
um, to help. You know, there's a, um, you know, when you talk about teens, um, you know, why is the mental health and wellness of this demographic so important for for you? You know, when you start talking. Yeah. About- so, Latasha, I started, and a lot of people don't realize this, but I started as a as a high school counselor. That was my very first oh. job out of the University of Georgia. Oh, wow. <laughs> Go dogs! I gotta, you know, back back to back champs. I gotta add that in there. Okay, she gotta <laughs> throw all that in. My there. husband somewhere <laughs> is smiling. He's like the biggest dog fan. He's like, don't forget that. Um, but I served as a high school counselor. But before that, in my master's program, I was a, um, I worked in the college counseling clinic. So I ran Mm. groups. I facilitated large groups uh, for people around mental health issues, around stress management, around um, diversity, roommates. Like my Mm. roommate, it was so interesting. Something's coming up right now. Um, We had a lot of talks with a group of roommates who uh, lived together but did not share the same culture, the same ethnicity. And one mm-hmm. of the things that came up, this is so interesting. Somebody wrote, wrote into the room, um, wrote to the room director, a white student saying, I'm really concerned um, that my black roommate who I really care about isn't washing her hair every day. So you can imagine the, the, the discussions that came around that because um, if you have ethnic hair, not everyone, not across the board, but it actually isn't mm-hmm. helpful to wash your hair every day. You lose right, a lot of oils, right. but there were these misunderstandings and misperceptions, not coming from a, a place of hate at all, mm-hmm. but a place mm-hmm. of misunderstanding that started to, you know, have some interesting, um, you know, conflicts. And so having those real discussions. So that was like in my early twenties at the university of Georgia, I did a personality test, but I really got a chance to really learn about students, especially as a high school counselor and what young people taught me. And they're still teaching me is just the power of vulnerability, the power of authenticity especially as it relates to connection. So it saddens me and I'm actually very grieved about the fact that young people are struggling so much right now. And people ask why, Latasha. So I know this is not the time to go to go into every single aspect of it, but yeah. two things that are really important mm-hmm. and I do want your listeners to know is that in addition to academic stress, which has been around forever, in addition to yeah you know, relational stress, in addition to economic stress, which is a big one for college students, Mm -hmm. they're also feeling lonely. Loneliness was an epidemic before the pandemic. And it's statistically Mm -hmm. linked to increasing levels. um, Loneliness is linked to increasing levels of anxiety and depression among young Mm -hmm. people. So that's like a whole, that might be a whole nother podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's like I mean, there's so much because um, I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the even the racial trauma part, like of the part of someone saying that they're concerned, but then also on the receiving end of that, the trauma that causes, like in relationships. And you know, we've had to deal with that. I have a um, I have a dog. Everybody knows my dog's dog is T'Challa. If you don't know, he's T'Challa, and he is, he lives into that name from the yes. Black Panther. He's a multi-poo. And, um, you know, he's been like kind of like an emotional support animal. And, and someone, I was joking, right? And someone said, well, like what, what, you know, 
emotional support do you, you know, with, with child? And I said, grief and there racial you trauma, <laughs> you know, and it's like, and it's a real thing, you know, it's a real thing. And so I can imagine, um, you know, with everything that's happening, you know, um, I think about even after um, Charleston, mm. Charlottesville, like just, I, I'm seeing on the other end um, people in, um, you know, my community and the BIPOC community that are not yeah. well. We're dealing with secondary yes. trauma. You know, there's a yes. fear. I, I hear it in my mom who is 70 mm. years old. Um, there's a fear that she's... Um, she's living with because of the things that's happening, because of the the temperature of this country, because of the reminders and the triggers of the world that she grew up mm. in, you know, there's this fear and everybody processes fear and all of this anxiety all differently. And we all cope yes. differently. And she's the one that won't talk yeah. to anyone, you know? Um, but you know, she's going to get me. I'm just saying all this stuff, <laughs> but she going to listen. <laughs> listen. And nobody but not send it to her, but needs to talk to someone. <laughs> and so somebody in my family going to send it to her, you know? <laughs> so, and hopefully it'll open up a conversation, yes. mom, <laughs> you know, but, um, but I know that, you know, other people, and maybe I'm saying this so because other people may be experiencing yeah. this with their own yes. parents. And so we're always would be the bridge trying to look for ways that we can intersect mm -hmm. things um, that can help our community, help others um, within that. And so I want tell me a little bit about, just as we're talking about this book, but I want to um, talk about just the, the, the trauma mm -hmm. healing that you do through somatic therapy, because I know there's some people that heard that and they're like, so Matt, what, what, <laughs> what is, is that? that? Now there's other people that know exactly what I'm talking yes. about, but I'm not going to lie. Like this is something that's new that I, I just learned about within the last yes. two years. And I know there are other people out there to say, what did she what just is say? That? Like, what yeah, is that? Is, is Jesus in that? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, does it hurt? Is it painful? You know, um, but could you tell a little bit about um, yeah. what it is and how it's uh -huh. I love talking about this yeah. stuff. Um, so I, I yeah. wrote a course, I co-wrote a course um, during the 2020 uprising and political and racial mm -hmm. distress and conflict um, to help therapists help BIPOC clients, but also white therapists um, understand mm racial trauma. So to, to talk about mm. somatic therapy, I think I, it might be helpful for your audience to know that racial trauma is real. Um, racial mm -hmm. trauma, basically a quick definition is any sort of race-based stress, any sort of mental or emotional mm. injury that's caused by racial bias. So think about mm. our kids. You know, if you have a, mm -hmm. if anybody has a, a, there's so many stories about this, but think about if you have a child, a cousin, a niece, a nephew that said, I don't like the skin that I'm in. Why, why yeah. are they saying that? What are they seeing? What are, yeah. no one has said, called, no one has probably called them, you know, an, a, a, a horrible word or a slur, but they're paying yeah. attention and they're making observations. So racial trauma can actually be caused 
by these observations that make you feel like you're not yeah. okay. So discrimination, yeah. racism, and of course, hate crimes. And it's a real yeah. thing. And in the U.S., microaggressions, microaggressions yeah. in the yeah. workplace, at school, mm-hmm. outside, you know, in ministry, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. in the U.S., yeah. um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, um, so we're talking about our Asian brothers and sisters, our Latina brothers and sisters yeah. and, and Jewish brothers and sisters are also very vulnerable to this. Those numbers are going up, especially for students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that plays a significant role in in their well-being. And so it leads to poor yeah. mental health outcomes. So somatic therapy, what is that? Well, somatic therapy is what we have found to be helpful in helping to promote the healing of racial trauma. So that's what I've been talking a lot about probably for three years now um, all over the place. And it's interesting Mm -hmm. that people do want to hear about it because I talk about it in corporate settings and ministry settings, Mm -hmm. but it's basically a body centric way. Again, God created us to be thinking, feeling, physical, interacting beings, my friends. So Mm. it's not counter to anything um, Mm. that we believe in terms of our faith, but this body-centric approach helps to release the stress that's in the body. Toxic stress accumulates as a result of trauma. And it impacts our posture. I can go on and on about this, Latasha. It impacts our posture. It impacts our breathing. Mm. It impacts our vagus nerve, which helps us to, it's a part of our Mm. central nervous system that helps helps us feel a sense of well-being. And so it helps to release Mm. this tension from the body. And it's different from the traditional way of um, doing therapy, but it can go hand in hand. So if you're in therapy with me, we're talking about the events of your life. We're talking about how those events are impacting you emotionally. We're talking about how it's impacting you relationally. And I'm teaching you how to breathe. I'm asking you if you've moved your body. Sometimes we dance. Sometimes we met. Ask Reggie Joyner. Ask Reggie Joyner. Sometimes we shake. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he knows yeah, what I, yeah. I, I did something yeah. for his staff. And I think, I don't know if I'll get invited back, but... <laughs> We were yeah, shaking. Yeah. I'm, I'm sitting up here like, oh yeah, you. I was sitting up here while you were saying that. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna um, invite her. We gotta get something for the Be the Bridge staff. So right here. <laughs> so I'm that movement so, yeah. girl, and I don't have a dance background. I don't have a yoga background. I don't have a kinesthetic background. I just have done this research. Know what it does for me. Know what it does. To for my brown boys, my little brown boys at home. Mm. And um, massaging is part of it. Um, breathing deeply is part of it. Recognizing your posture because sometimes we tighten and restrict mm-hmm. and that impacts yeah. our breathing, which then impacts the way that we even mm-hmm. connect with other people. So um, you can probably hear the passion. It might be annoying at this point, yeah. but yeah, yeah, we could talk more about it at any time. Any time, any time, any time, any time, any time, any time, any time. If you've been enjoying and learning from the Be The Bridge podcast, we invite you to join us in this work. You can support and sustain our mission as a recurring partner at bethebridge.com forward slash give. You can also help spread this word of bridge building by supporting and really sporting our apparel. So if you haven't gotten your Be The Bridge hat, sweatshirt, all of the things, let's take the message to the street. Visit our online store at shop.bethebridge.com and make sure we're spreading the word about 
all the work that Be The Bridge is doing and will do. At Be The Bridge, we're doing the work to empower people and culture toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial reconciliation. And this work is only possible because of the generosity of bridge builders like you. So thank you so much for those of you who are listening and sharing our podcast, sharing our posts, those of you who are giving to this work, um, that's helping us create resources and material um, that will transform hearts. Um, So join us at bethebridge.com forward slash give and let's continue to build bridges together. Thank you so much. I, it's so funny. I, I was um, I had a a, a mentor and a um, coach that um, she would do those breathing exercises with me at the end of every conversation, and I'm sitting there. I'm like a person that like um, I laugh at a lot of stuff, <laughs> and so I was like, "What?" Okay, she said, "Now push your stomach all the way back, and, you know, just and sit up." And it was like the posture, and you, I felt so goofy. <laughs> but then afterwards, you're like, "Oh, wait a minute, that worked." And so now you, I find myself doing that and seeing the release, and um, you know, so even she was telling me um to carry like a mat, like she carries a mat when she mm-hmm. travels. Um, just to stretch, just to kind of center yes. herself, you know, and um, just little things like that where I would think in my Latasha brain, like, oh, this is so huge, you know. But now it's like things that I'm like, okay, I need all the things. I need the contemplative. I need all the things, like anything that's going to help me and um, be a better yes. me and a more thriving yes. me mentally, physically, spiritually. Those are the things that we, um, you know, we need to do. And you mentioned your kids. I want people to know you have um, two sons, I do. Right? I have two sons that live yeah. in the home with me and a daughter of my bonus yeah. daughter who she's precious to me. I, w- I want to acknowledge her as well. She's a sophomore in college. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. So I just want um, you guys to know that she's also speaking out of experiences because she's a mom and, you know, of, of, of children and, and, um, and everything. And so one of the things, your recent post, you said, um, you said that there, you, you posted something. I like how you post because you give like tips and you said five ways to help children build emotional mm-hmm. resilience. And this was something that, um, uh, Mariah and, and and Sean, just a couple of people on the in our um on our team, we were just having this this discussion. I think Mariah was having a discussion with um, one of her children and just talking about you know just with everything, like everything that happened in twenty twenty. We we say the um the the some people call it a racial reckoning or uprising or all of that. I call it. I don't know what to call it, but. <laughs> It wasn't lasting. <laughs> like it was, I call it a a, a, a a racial wreck. Like you know, <laughs> I don't know what to call it. But I do feel like there was an opportunity. There is an yes. opportunity that God was mm-hmm. speaking and moving. I think we were on the brink of something. I, I feel like it was a um, a, a revival mm-hmm. that you know um, that is is brewing to take mm-hmm. place. But I think um, people are stifling and shutting it out. And so I, I ha- want to say that. And so one of the things that she was saying is that, you know, a lot of young people, a lot of um, Xennials, a lot of um, um, Gen Z, Gen Alpha, like that they felt good about the 
what was happening, but now that the rejection mm. of that, not understanding how to handle the pushback and the rejection. Yes. And so she was like, it's like, we got to teach our kids to be steadfast, yes. to be resilient. Um, that is something that I see that I glean from, you know, the baby boomer mm-hmm. generation, you know, from my mom's generation, from my grandparents' generation. Uh, when I listen to others, um, older civil rights mm-hmm. leader, like just the, the, faithfulness that they have when things were not going their way. Like there were things that didn't go their way in their lifetime was there are some people who did not Mm -hmm. see the passing of the voting rights acts or the housing act or the civil rights act. There are some people that did not make it to desegregation. Mm -hmm. There are some people who did not make it to um, seeing the end of the exclusion Mm -hmm. act or the, um, you know, internment mm-hmm. camps are, um, you know, there's some people that are still living under the oppression of, 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 of treaties and, mm-hmm. you know, that didn't see, you know, the end, but even in that having hope yes. and faith, like being steadfast. And I remember going through just a hard time in 2016 and I heard an old civil rights leader, um, a, a more mature civil rights leader um, say that we didn't know what we mm. did, but we knew that God was Ooh. doing. And that thing hit me. And I was like, I need that. Mm. Like, I need to hear that. I need to see that. Like, this is beyond me. This is bigger than me. I can't hold this. I got to release this. And that was the thing. And I, and I feel like there's just like, there's this emotional and physical mm-hmm. resilience that we have mm-hmm. to pass on to this next generation yes. to help them endure, to help them be faithful yes. when people are faithless, mm. you know? And so um, can you talk a little bit about emotional resilience and why it is important? Yes, I love what you just said um, because the road is very rarely easy. Um, the road toward mm any significant and lasting change. And and was it Dr. Martin Luther King? You can help me with this, um, Latasha, that talked about um, the the arc, right? The arc of of the universe is long, but it bends toward justice. Yeah. Justice, but, yeah. but the long he, piece, he, he right? Said that. I think he quoted someone else. I think he quoted someone else, but he gets the credit for, for saying that because we understand <laughs> him saying it, right? Look good. <laughs> Enough has been appropriated from us that sometimes, we can do that. Sometimes, sometimes we need that. to get credit that's undeserved. Yeah. <laughs> Right, you can right, cut that out. Right. Well. But um, <laughs> no, we're good. But back, I'm gonna leave it I'm right sure in there. You will, because if, because yeah, if your mom yeah. is listening to the other part, she can hear this too, right? Exactly, right. <laughs> so, um, emotional resilience yeah. is a powerful, powerful thing, and that's something that we mm. wrote about in our first book, scene that was geared towards parents and educators, because what we've noticed over the years, especially educators, have been telling this, this, and I was an educator. I still am an educator. Um, mm-hmm. that kids have lost their grit. And so grit is mm-hmm. um, a term that is that we equate with perseverance, that we equate with emotional resilience, going through mm-hmm. adversity and not giving up, which is exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. So emotional resilience yeah. really does refer to the ability to bounce back from challenging and tough mm-hmm. times. And when you talk about the young people feeling let down and maybe even duped, because boy, we went mm-hmm. from, like you said, racial wreck <laughs> to 
to, to, I mean, can we talk about what's happening? Yeah, we can't even talk about it now. Like, it's like, you, you, you can't even mention it. You're being this divisive oh, or, you know, um, you just got to take it. You need to be negative. silent. You need to, like everything is, everything is CRT, oh. you know, like, 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 you know, so it's just, it's, it's, it, you know how it impacts us as an yes. adult um, because this is a part of our lived yes. history that you're, our experiences that you're told that, um, no, because it makes other people feel bad. You don't need to mm-hmm. to 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 talk about that. So just imagine what's happening in some of these classrooms mm. where, you know, you can't talk about the hard things, but other groups like, you know, um, Asian Americans would talk about that history, but that's considered American history. Mm-hmm. But black history and, and we want and we wonder American why history. six and seven and eight year old black boys and girls come home and say, I don't like my color. I don't like being this color. Can yeah. I be tan? Can I be, I've heard it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hear a little bit of an echo, but what I want to share is um, just today mm-hmm. um, I learned, and maybe this happened recently at the day of this recording, uh, which is, I don't know what, May 17th. I, I learned that yeah. the governor in Florida signed a bill into mm-hmm. law that bans the teaching of um, diversity equity and inclusion yeah. or bans the the funding of those programs yes, and funding. also limits the way that race can be talked about and get this in public institutions in Florida. And so for me, and this is where, you know, sometimes I, yeah, I probably don't, I don't get it as yeah. much as you, Latasha, because I, I, I talk about yeah. other things, <laughs> so I'm not going to cry about yeah. it, but, but I get some pushback in terms of, you know, you know, things being put, things that I say about race being political and and that's from someone else's perspective. And that's fine. Everybody can have their perspective. I don't. Politics are about people. We We care care about people. people. And and for me, this is about the things that I I have always talked about. Worth, Mm -hmm. value, um, belonging, dignity. So again, think about those students that are in these programs actively studying, researching, and what was just signed into law. Let's take a moment and sit with that. And those are students. So I'm grieving today. And again, this may have happened yesterday, but, um, and by the way, let's also acknowledge that today is the 69th anniversary of the landmark case, Brown versus the Board of Education, Latasha. Yes. So that it feels very fitting that we're having this conversation. And mm. we didn't plan this, but guess who planned yeah. it, God? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Let's right? go there. So yeah. at the core of this yeah. conversation is belonging, worthiness, value. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to a room full of moms, yeah. sometimes even 500, 600. I think at one point I talked to a thousand moms about race. Those invitations are not coming anymore. But my hope mm-hmm. lies in a lot of different areas, but that those moms, even though politicians are telling us one thing, that they still see the value in having these conversations because nothing gets healed. So I am the expert on trauma yeah. and I have studied a lot and I don't feel super comfortable being called an expert in racial trauma, but I've dug deeply into it. And what I have learned among many things is that healing first and foremost begins with acknowledgement. So when we're brushing race under the rug and we're pretending yeah. like it doesn't matter or doesn't exist, again, think of the children. And that hurts emotional yeah. resilience or that causes sort of shame. But emotional resilience is teaching kids to talk about their feelings, to to express their 
their, their, their worries, their grief. And also, this is very, very important to have strong relationships with supportive parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, because that's the foundation yeah. for emotional resilience. Yes, that's so good. Thank you for sharing that. I think, um, you know, I think we're all grieving. Everybody's trying to wrap their head around how can this be happening and why would someone want to do this? But we can, the why is a whole nother podcast um, in and of itself, um, you know, and, but just the impact. So we have to prepare as a community. And I think this is the thing um, is to prepare as a community to make sure that we take care of the children that are in our communities to that there, you know, there are other resources. Um, I know for us would be the bridge. I'm like, Hey, so this is about funding. There's some things that we can offer. There's some things that we can put together to tool parents to, to make sure that their children are being cared for in their homes. Um, churches, to make sure that their students are being cared for, communities. Um, this is when you're going to need allies and accomplices to come around to make sure that we're standing, standing together, we're marching together, we're protesting together. Because I do believe that there's more people that are against this than there are yes. for it. But I think they're they're paralyzed because of fear and they don't what know to what do. to do. And we see that historically as it relates to um, racial issues in our country. And so as Be The Bridge, we want to give people the tools. We want to give people help come alongside people so that they can stand up um, for all um, humans, yes. you know, for, um, for, for, for biblical yes. justice, you know, because I, I know that um, God would not be back in this, you know, because we are all about our history, um, our faith is all about yes. remembrance. You know, um, there are so many things in our faith as we, when we take communion, when we do baptism, we just uh, went through Resurrection yeah. Sunday. We're coming up on, on Pentecost if it didn't pass. I don't think Pentecost has come yet, but it may have passed. I may have missed it. But um, I'm just saying like, those are things that we're to remember. Yes. Um, the, the glory yes. of God, you know? And and this helps us to heal. This helps us to be better Christians. Like we understand in a natural state, if there was an abusive relationship, the only way forward in that is going to be to talk about what has happened. How do we get? Mm. And so we understand that naturally. So history also is like that. So I I love um, you give some tips. Like there are some tips that you give when it comes to. Um, to teens and racism and dealing with social unrest. And there was one thing you wrote, four tips for talking to kids and teens about racism and social unrest. And this was back in 2020, girl. I done went through and pulled out stuff Love to it. talk about today. <laughs> you said, um, find out what your child knows and how they feel about race. Mm-hmm. You know, um, tip two, you said, um, be direct and honest about racism and racial justice. Like these are conversations that I know that you have to have with your boys because we have to make sure that they understand so that they can be prepared to deal with what is happening in the world around them because it may save mm-hmm. their life. Um, be okay with not knowing all the mm-hmm. answers. Um, that's the third tip you say, because that's important. You're not going to know everything. There's some things that we may have to say, you know what, we're going to have to find out or we're going to find out this together. It's, you know, that we don't have to have all the answers. And, um, and I think that's what a lot of parents feel like they have to know. We get a lot of parents that are like, I don't, I don't know how to address Mm -hmm. it. 
it's okay to say, I don't know. Like I, but we're going to find that together. We're going to try to, to look at this, um, um, together. And then the other thing is take advantage of the mm-hmm. opportunity. You know, this is a, a, a opportunity to listen. Yes. This is an opportunity to read books together, to watch yes. movies together, to have conversations, to, you know, bring, you know, bring your friends yes. around and to bring community around this. So I love that. And, you know, and you said my prayer is that as parents, our courage will be to continue to grow exponentially as we navigate these challenges but necessary um, conversations. Mm -hmm. And so I know that these are necessary conversations that we have had to have. And how have you as a parent Mm -hmm. had to take your own Mm -hmm. advice, you know, in this? Sometimes it's easier when you're helping other people navigate this, but you have two young boys. I think they're elementary age, right? 12, they just turned uh, 12 and eight. Yeah. Okay, 12 mm-hmm. and 8. So how are you as a parent having to navigate this um, discussion? Yeah, thank you boys? for that question. Um, it is. It is so much easier when you're helping somebody else. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, there is that feeling of, um, so I do understand it when parents are thinking, um, gosh, I don't want to make this worse. Or just that 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 destabilizing yeah, yes. or that frozen deer yeah. in the head like kind of feeling with your child. Yeah, um, yeah. But Latasha, I'll be very, very honest. And this is coming from the Holy Spirit. My, uh, one of my sons, when he was um, younger, several years ago, said, mommy, why am I black? And of mm. course I, right? And so when you, when you ask yeah. that question, um, how do I handle these conversations? Um, mm. You know, so that article came from a real place <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and experience yeah. and certainly from, you know, my clients and the families that I, that I serve. But the first advice, and by the way, when I work with teenagers and I would talk to parents, this is the best advice when your teenager lays something hard or heavy on you about themselves or about their friends or about life, mm-hmm. you freak out on the inside, mm-hmm. not on the outside. Because, yeah. and here's yeah. why you never want it to be about you, or you never want mm-hmm. to give off the message that this is overwhelming for you because they, in, in their love for you and in their care for you, will want to protect mm-hmm. you, right? And that's not what we want right, them to do. Right. Um, so when I heard my son say this, or when my son said in 2020, um, should I be afraid of police officers, right? Mm-hmm. Two heavy questions. I was like, okay, Lord, I see what you're doing. I'm writing about racial trauma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now right, I got to right, answer these right. questions in my own household. Right, um, right. So how did I handle it? I took a deep breath and I remembered my training, which doesn't always happen when it's a personal situation. I remembered my training, but it helped that I took that deep breath first, Latasha. And then I remembered that I need to listen. It's so much more important to hear where these conversations in their heads are coming from. What is influencing them? What, again, have they observed? Children are wonderful observers, but not very great interpreters, right? How are they interpreting? And this is a household. By the way, at that time, my child was six, two years ago, we didn't have anything on the TV about what was going on in the world. So we thought we were, and then the world was shut down. So we weren't going anywhere. (laughs) We we thought that there was a a bubble of protection, but then in our County, the school did um, resume earlier than a lot of 
counties. I, I, I live in Forsyth County in, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was exposed to, to certain things. Uh, so mm-hmm. the way that I handled it was I took a deep breath. I asked questions because I wanted to find out what he knew. And I allowed him to share. And children have this uncanny ability to ask just the right questions when they need Mm -hmm. those answers. So I didn't take it any further. And when it came to the color of his skin, I talked about him being made in the image of God. We talked about that yesterday because he he brought up, um, he was doing a a research. He's eight years old. He's doing a research project on um, uh, historical figures. And I asked him, well, who are you, who are you um, writing about baby researching is him and four or five of his friends, um, different races, ethnicities. He says, well, we chose Jackie Robinson. I was like, that is amazing. And, but then the other part (laughs) of me, I was like, well, you know about Jackie Robinson, like how, how are Uh you filtering this information? What are they teaching you? Right. What book are you, you know? And he talked about Jackie Robinson being discriminated because of the color of his skin. Uh, so mm-hmm, we sat mm-hmm. down. This is literally yesterday. We sat down wow. um, um, and, and I pulled him close and I said, and how do you feel about that? And he was like, well, it was wrong. Mm. I was like, yeah, how else do you feel? Just kind of gauging where he was. And Latasha, yeah. this is what he said. He said, I'm just so glad that God made Jackie Robinson great and that people could see his mm. greatness. And I said, yes. Mm. And so I put my hand next to his and I said, this my color and your, your, your color is beautiful. Mommy's taught you that before. He said, yes. And I said, and Jackie, um, uh, uh, Jackie, his, his color is beautiful. And, and God made everybody's color beautiful. And people sometimes don't understand that. Um, but I want you yeah. to understand it. And if someone is being harmed or hurt or made fun of or ostracized because of the color of their skin, I want you to remember that. And I want you to stand up for them. This was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this is ongoing. Like we're all having these conversations and, you know, and this is the thing you're equipped to have these, but there are sometimes kids that are coming home and the parent may not feel the same way. And so how are we having that? Or maybe they don't understand how to have that conversation. So they'll try to ignore Mm -hmm. it, you know, or um, not talk about it. And, And then the child is left to interpret things on their own. And so this is important. You know, those are those that are listening, I think also in the um, transracial community, there's a lot of people in our audience that have children who they are one race, but their children are another race. And so this is where um, conversations and friendships with people who don't look like you um, matter, you know, having mentors um, with people who don't look like you, having friendships. This is where Be the Bridge groups come into play, where you're sitting across and you you are in proximity of people. You know, this is where sometimes going to a different church where people are in leadership that don't look like you, um, where you can learn and glean in those environments to help fuel you and educate you to have healthy conversations with that and having like just um, people that support you, you know, mental health is important for us all. Um, and we want to address the importance of this in the, um, especially in the BIPOC community, because you think, you know, when you think about the world and what's really happening and people who are really being impacted, um, you know, the stresses of America and black and brown communities, sometimes I can feel it in my chest. Like I went to Korea, um, 
back in the fall. And I remember having this peace. I was in a country where nobody really looked like me at all. But there was this peace I had mm. because of some of the anxiety of, of, of the, the balance that we have to live with mm. and deal with here. Um, the triggers, the, you know, all these things. But for that moment, um, there's one thing I'm dealing with inside of, of mm. Korea but then there was this 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 piece. So I was like, okay, these are, I was trying to identify some things that are really bothering me that are not making me feel mm. safe in my country and write those things down. These are some things that are not making me feel safe where, why am I feeling safer here in this country than I do in my own country? And so those mm. were just some re- really mm. hard conversations having mm. to have, um, you know, um, honest conversations with that, with, with yourself. Yeah. And so, um, I think this is like the trauma, like we're right now we're in the midst of it, but we don't know what an impact this is going to have 10, 15, 20 years, you know, and it's important. I think what you did for your son and what I'm doing and what, yeah. you know, even doing for myself is I'm helping myself interpret what yes. I'm doing and what you were doing is interpreting what you're, your son was feeling and not isolating Mm -hmm. him and saying, you know, I know you understand that or, you know, don't say that because you're not supposed to think like that. Mm -hmm. And so then they're afraid to say it, you know, (laughs) Um, but understanding. So these are conversations. I had a conversation with the lady and she said, um, you know, I don't want my son to feel bad about being white. And I said, and I don't want, any brown children feeling bad about being yes. brown, just like I don't mm-hmm. want a white child feeling yes. bad about being a white. So us yes. talking about this is not about someone feeling bad about themselves because there are a lot of um, um, outliers that we can point to of people who did the right thing. Yes. You know, when everybody else was doing and saying the wrong thing, there are people that we don't talk mm-hmm. about enough that stood yeah. up for for yeah. truth and and, and that got laws passed. And, yes. <laughs> they got yes, they got mm-hmm. laws passed. You know, and I think we can have this conversation in a healthy way rather than saying we're not going to have this conversation at all because that's only going to make matters worse and we will pay for that as a society if we continue. So, um I am so grateful for you um you know, I'm so grateful. There's so much we could have talked about, like even PTSD. There's so many things that we know the impact that's gonna um that these conversations um um could benefit us, but if we don't have the conversations, the the outcry and the impact of this, you know, the trajectory of this um could be, you know, lasting. I, I know things that I see in my family that happened that points right back to, you know, segregation and how my great grandfather felt as a man in this country that impacted his family. Yes. Like those are things that that we're dealing with the um, the residue uh, of that. And so we will deal with the residue of that. What are some things, one of the things that I ask um, a lot of the guests, you know, what are some things that you are lamenting right now, you know, um, you know, as a, as a woman, as a um, professional, as a mom, as a wife, as a sister, as a daughter, what are, what are some things that, 
Dr. Chen Wei is. Yeah, quite honestly, the conversation that we just had about that bill that was um, just passed to essentially defund education about diversity, equity, and and race. Um, and, and, And if it were just what you mentioned about the conversation you had with the woman that said, I don't want my white child to feel badly about themselves. Mm-hmm. I would lean into that conversation. And so would so many people, because we would never mm-hmm. want that to happen. Let's have mm-hmm. the conversation. The problem is that a lot of this is being stoked by politicians who are very yeah. self-serving. They have an agenda yeah. that is to defi- divide and as people of faith, and I know not everyone else, yeah. um, not everyone shares the same faith, but as mm-hmm. good hearted, moral, amazing people who right. you and I talk to all the time. Um, I love people. That, that's, I remember we talked about that. We just love people in that yeah. first conversation. Yeah, right. yeah, <laughs> and yeah, we love yeah, people who yeah. don't think like us, right? Who don't have our, yeah, who don't share yeah. our experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so mm-hmm. you and I have, um, God has given us this amazing ability, I think, to be able to tolerate any sort of discomfort on most days um, with these types of right. conversations. But what I'm lamenting is that uh, politicians and other people are really stoking fears and negativity that are serving themselves and are also only serving to divide. And I, I do not believe that that is what God wants. I know that that's not what God wants. So let's, so that's That's number one. Um, well, yeah, that's it. That's my, that's my lament. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, there's, it seems like there's something, there's a lot of lament. Um, but then in the midst of this pain, in the midst of this lamenting, um, what is bringing you hope? Oof, now, I have a lot of hope. My hope, first and foremost, Latasha, um, lies in the gospel, right? The powerful, redeeming gospel that yeah. that even talks about justice, right? So, just so, uh, right. isn't there a scripture that talks about um, justice sort of rolling on like a river? Right. Yes, I think it's Amos. Yes. And Micah, Micah. Yes. Six, eight. And, and and also in yeah, Amos. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh I, yeah, it's Amos. I'm sorry. I was I I don't jump to Micah. <laughs> I'm sure Micah has something to say about that too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. love must prevail. So that's first and foremost. My hope lies in lies mm-hmm. in that. But I gotta tell you, just as we were just talking about, I am thankful, feeling very blessed and encouraged by so mm. many of my incredible white brothers and sisters all over. So like you, like you said, we hear about things that are happening in Florida and Texas and other parts of the country. And then Uh I walk into a room to talk about race and it's 500, 800, a thousand moms that are like taking notes. How can I lean in? Right. Uh, So to your, to your point, more people are on board with this. So let's lean into that. And that makes me so happy because as you said earlier, we've got to do this together, right? For the sake mm-hmm, of um, mm-hmm. our children, for the sake of our community, for the sake of the church. We won't even talk about deconstruction. Yeah. We not even go there. Um, um, yeah. You know, I'm deconstructing my faith, right? There's like a whole, yeah. Yeah, whole thing right. that we don't lean into to ask young people why, why? You yeah, know, we just yeah. sort of have this knee-jerk reaction yeah. to it. But um, our world needs this togetherness. I think the gospel demands yeah. it. Um, I'm not a, I'm mm-hmm. not a formal minister. I'm not in ministry full time, but I do mm. love Jesus. I've loved Jesus for a long time. I've been in my Bible and I yeah. do believe that the gospel demands this justice. Um, so that's yeah. number one. Number two, and this really makes my heart sing, 
um, I was invited to do a talk that was uh, designed, conceived, designed, planned by a hundred middle and high schoolers, Latasha, here in Atlanta. It was Mm -hmm. actually in the Gwinnett uh, School District. And the Mm -hmm. 100 kids that applied to be a part of this, they call it the Superintendent Student Summit. It was like an advisory council where students can have a voice in what happens in their schools and in their classrooms, right? So here, they did not plan this, but God did. A hundred of these students mirrored the school system on racial, ethnicity, and religion. It mirrored the breakdown of of the school system in those areas. And I was like, that's amazing. And then they asked a question, what do you want? We're going to have an event. We're going to bring everybody together. What are the two topics you want us to find speakers to talk about? Latasha, Mm. when I tell you those two topics were number one, mental health, and number Mm. two, diversity. Diversity. We're not asking them. We're not asking them. That's what even some of the kids in Florida are saying. Like, no one asked us. Like, you're making these decisions. And because this is the world they live in. I mean, their their, um, communities, their um, social media. Like, this is the world they're living in. And this, I'm telling you, this generation is not. They're not having it. They're not having it. Gen Z, Gen Alpha. They're not falling for the okie doke. And so, and we shouldn't either. Like, are we ever going to (laughs) learn? But you were talking, I wanted to go back to that scripture. You were talking about Amos 5 and then 24. And so, um, and it it reads, but let justice roll down like waters Mm -hmm. of righteousness, like a ever flowing stream. Mm. And so justice like flows like when you think about like a river and how it constantly like even in a river and and how justice flows. Sometimes a river is 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 peaceful, but sometimes it's raging, Mm. you know? And so I think, you know, right now, like the the river is raging, Mm. you know? It the river is raging. I think we have to pay attention to what's happening. And we do have to start talking to one another. We have to talk to our children. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing, for the book that you have written. And um, I want to go back um, to that because we're going to put it all in the notes. But, um, you know, like your book is touching on anxiety, trauma resolution, codependency, Difficult breakup, stress management, self-esteem, self-worth, intimacy, relationship issues, young adult issues, life transitions, and women's wellness. Like that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> well, it's not all. Um, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, Latasha. It's not all in uh-huh. the book. Those are the things that I enjoy talking about. Yes, um, yes that would yes. be a lot in a book, huh? <laughs> I know. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. Those are your clinical specialties. Yes. But the book is the book is called Beyond the Spiral, Why You Shouldn't Believe Everything Anxiety Tells You. And um, about Dr. Chen Wei, these are her clinical specialties that I mentioned as it relates to anxiety, trauma resolution, codependency, difficult breakups, stress management. So you want to follow her. She gives some helpful tips, um, you know, on social media and um, purchase the book. And so we're going to have all of this in the show notes. Thank you so much for taking this time. Um, you know, I think, you you know, when this um, 
when this is going to be released in July, it will be National BIPOC Mental Health Awareness Month. So I would love for you to close out with an encouraging word Mm -hmm. to those that are in the BIPOC community, that are listening, that are maybe feeling weighted Mm -hmm. down, that are feeling unseen, Mm -hmm. that are feeling um, unheard, Mm -hmm. that are feeling um, just stepped on in the midst of everything that's happening um, right now in their world and in our yeah. world. What is, what, what encouraging word would you? Yeah. Thank them? you for that, Natasha. Very briefly being seen as you, you don't even know I was going to share this, but you use that word, mm-hmm. not feeling very seen, being, being mm-hmm. seen and, and heard is actually essential to healing and and that again is by design because our our father our heavenly father is 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 a god of relationships and he's designed us mm-hmm. to be in relationship so that is really my final word is to for those of you who are listening um who are struggling not feeling very seen and heard connect with people connect with friends all different backgrounds who can engage in these conversations and they don't even have to say much. They just have to mindfully listen, which is such a powerful tool that will enable you to process your thoughts and your emotions engage in prayer, mindfulness activities, somatic practices, which you can do with a therapist, but you got, you could also pull it up on YouTube and just do some things to help you move your body. And then finally, self-care is not selfish. Self-care is not self-indulgent. Self-care enables you to keep going. Um, Again, about the arc of justice is long. We need emotional resilience, but we also need the support of people and we need to take care of ourselves. Yeah, thank you so much. And I know this is going to be helpful um, to so many people. Thank you for your time. And I'm so grateful for the work Uh, that you are doing. So thank you so much for joining us on the Be The Bridge podcast. And so those who you who are listening, you know, even the solutions that she just suggested, um, this is what we find in community and our Be The Bridge groups, you know, and I've, I've spoken to so many people that said, you know, becoming a part of that group or becoming a part of this community for the first time I felt seen. Like there was someone that was going through something similar that um, that I thought I was the only one or someone are connecting with like-minded people. Um, we hear all types of stories. So make sure you connect that information and in how to um, get plugged in, to get connected in a group. We'll put those in the in the show notes and um, how do you get more involved we'll put those in the show notes but I'm so grateful for you Dr. Chenway thank you for joining us on the Be The Bridge podcast thank you Latasha I admire you and the work of Be The Bridge so much Um, so keep going and rest thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast to find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. 
and transcribed by Sarah Knatzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.